what you have to do is realize that all, for all the good work you're doing, you're still fighting to free yourself of the yoke of you know what you have to do to pay rent. And that crushing burden, the fact that if I don't write, I, I might not ever get to do this. This is what I love. Writing is when I'm my, that's when my wings soar, right? Like yeah. that's when I'm happiest. And if the idea that I might not get to do that is so crushing to me, sometimes it's like, it's difficult for me to get out of bed. Welcome back to Creative Spaces. My name is Kevin Knight. I run a website called eatgeekplay.com. Every week I have a conversation with a different writer, artist, director, somebody in the creative field, and we talk about inspiration, productivity, and motivation. What keeps these people doing what they do? This week, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, part of the creative team behind Hacktivist. There's this other woman involved named Alyssa Milano. You might have heard of her before. Volume one came out last year and I loved it. So I had to stand with these guys and talk about uh, just their whole creative process and how they work because, you know, usually I just talk to one person and it's interesting to talk to a writing duo. The dynamic of how these two guys work together and how they are just so dedicated to their craft is pretty amazing. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hope you were able to take something away from it and apply it to your own writing or creative process somehow. And don't forget to go over to eatgeekplay.com and subscribe to our podcast feed. There's much other podcasts that we do that hopefully you would enjoy. And here's our interview with Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Hi, I'm Jackson Lansing. And I'm Colin Kelly. Uh, and we are the writing duo behind uh, Hacktivist and uh, Maze Runner of the Scorch Trials and recently uh, uh, Joyride. Sure. Give me a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Jackson and I kind of have very similar uh, backstories in terms of we have family members, we move around a lot, um, but we met in college at USC in the film program. Uh, We met, I was writing bombastic action explosion scripts, and Jack was writing these really tender kind of heartfelt character dramas. And uh, we both kind of looked at each other's work and uh, saw really something in each other that, you know, we could help really kind of match up and we could really kind of help each other grow in an interesting direction. Um, uh, I just wanted to write explosions, and I saw his explosions, and I was like, oh, I gotta do that. Uh, no, it is true. We we were, uh, I think we both started writing at a pretty early age, um, and we're, uh, we both started writing at a pretty early age, and I think that was ultimately a, uh, a thing where he really had a track that he was on towards uh, very, like, heavy kind of genre-influenced material, and I was a huge genre fan, but it actually always kind of thought like, oh, well, you know, what I really want to write are these like little, yeah, like like plays. I come from theater, and I was like, oh, I want to write like little small character stuff, because uh, that's really what got me as a kid. And what we ended up realizing was that by chasing our individual passions, we had created something that might create a really great uh, sort of twist on a lot of blockbuster content, which is character-focused large scale like large scale and large stakes uh projects so we we uh we were in a writing group together we used to critique each other's scripts and uh for the longest time i i pretty much hated his guts um i would read his stuff and i was like partially because this guy's just so cool and he like fills a room with interesting ideas and then i'd read his stuff and it's like ugh, and he writes really good like how irritating (laughs) 
but then slowly after I kind of got over myself uh, and realized kind of the quality of work he was doing, and then he was like, no, no, dude, I, I really like your work too. And I was like, oh, well, goodness. Rather than kind of clashing against each other, why don't we team up and become like a super group? So the, what happened basically to like kick all this off is that we graduated college at around the same time. We used to go to the comic book store together. Um, uh, David Server, who uh, was uh, and is a very, very good friend of ours, uh, he and I wrote a comic together uh, at the same time, and uh, we really enjoyed that collaboration, and I was looking for other ways to collaborate, and uh, when uh, that book, Freak Show, was coming out, uh, or as we were kind of making it happen, uh, I was still really pursuing screenwriting, and that's where uh, Colin and I came in. We uh, drove across the country together. Wow. Uh, we graduated college. Uh, our present to ourselves was we went to Lollapalooza uh, because Radiohead was playing, and- Radiohead for I've seen them like seven times in concert and Colin had never seen them uh, and so I or like really listened to their music so I drove we drove across the country listened to the entire Radiohead discography and we broke a movie uh, on the way there and on the way back like on a pad and paper and on the way back we were a day ahead of schedule and uh, right outside Yellowstone and it was terrible weather and so we stopped at this little hotel and we got out and uh, pulled out our laptops and tried a thing where we just handed each other each a different scene from the movie and just went back and forth until uh, we were as deep into the movie as we could. And I think we wrote about 80 pages that day. Wow. Which I think was a sign to us that there was something going on here that really increased our productivity when we were working together, uh, that we could get a lot more done and have a lot more, I guess, confidence in the quality of the work uh, if it was the two of us, especially because it was a project that was very, very much a melding of our two styles. And uh, that was about seven years ago. And uh, we've been writing together ever since. So how does the writing dynamic work now? Um, Very I, similar to how it initially worked. Yeah. Um, one of the great things about writing with one of your best friends is that it's never really work. Um, mostly it's play. Um, we think about ideas that we get excited by that really kind of fill us with you know, enthusiasm. And then once we hit on something that we can't stop talking about, we know it's time to write it. Um, you know, Technically, what we do is we write twice a week. Uh, by hook or by crook, we both, you know, we still maintain day jobs. Yeah, so we both hold full-time day jobs. So it, it's important that we create the time to write because otherwise we would never get it done. So how do you guys handle that? Um, all right, so uh, strict scheduling. For the last seven years, every single Sunday that we can, like there's probably five or six Sundays a year that we take off. And every other Sunday is dedicated to writing. Uh, we, do, we have one-day weekends, and we have for the last seven years. We, we're, we're used to it now. Um, we uh, will get together around you know, noon or 1 p.m. Uh, we'll meet at his house or mine. We switch off per week. Uh, the guy coming to the other house will bring the other one coffee. We will coffee up uh, and we will sit there and talk. We'll be, we, have a, we have a spreadsheet that covers all of our projects because we work on, you know, probably actively about five projects at a time uh, in general. And that's across a bunch of mediums. That's in uh, the film and TV space, uh, which is where we come from. Uh, or it's in the digital space where we've been living for a while now uh, in... Initially in just sort of like a pitching way, but finally now we're actually like doing our own projects and our own content. We're starting to direct. Um, and then comics, which is a, a new phenomenon for us to some degree, but one we that's really taken off uh, in terms of our love for it. So we have a spreadsheet. We go down the spreadsheet, figure out, all right, what projects are due? What's the next thing that's due? What do we need to talk about? And then if we have a gap, it's like, all right, well, what do we add to this list? What's a cool new thing that we can do? Uh, and we chat and we figure it out. And uh, we also work Thursday nights as well, so... You know, from, from 7 to midnight, basically Thursday nights, and from 1 to 7 on Sunday nights. And we keep that schedule pretty much like clockwork. Um, we don't... The we great, need our deadlines otherwise. 
And the great thing about, once again, having a partnership is that we have to hold each other to that schedule. Um, I could be feeling really grumpy and not want to do anything, but I can't bail because I know he's going to be on me. And of course, I'm the same way. Uh, it's, it's important that we keep each other on task and on schedule. Uh, and then what happens when we finally do sit down to work uh, is almost identical to the process of that first uh hotel room outside Yellowstone. We have an outline that's been beat out between the two of us that's basically we've just geeked out at each other. As he says, like we've played, we've had a lot of fun just like mind gaming this out and outlined a really specific beat sheet. Uh, Beat sheets are really important to us. That's big in our process because there's two of us and we need to have the same idea of exactly what is happening. We need to know how we're handing off. We need to know what we're setting up. Uh, We need to make sure that it doesn't feel like two writers are ever writing it, right? Uh, We have a unified voice. Uh, And so what we do, is we uh, we split things up by sequence generally, and by that I mean like, say we have a book where you have an A plot and a B plot, and that A plot has two big scenes and the B plot has two big scenes. Uh, each one will take one A plot scene and one B plot scene, and we will uh, essentially split the book in half. I'll write one half, he'll write the other half, and then we'll we'll trade, mm-hmm. and we will rewrite each other, uh, essentially on the spot. Uh, and that's how we make it happen. And. So- yeah, well, it's just, uh, and it's interesting, right? Because uh, for the longest time, we, people are like, oh, well, two writers. It goes, you have, you go twice as fast. No, two writers takes twice as long. Since it's the two voices and two ideas, it's got to be just butting heads all the time, right? We clash constantly. We scream at each other. We kick. We, it's, it's terrible rouse. Um, we just fight all the time. But then also, it's about the work being good. If we're the, both that passionate about it, it means something there is worth fighting about. So the good thing about you know having written together for seven years, yeah, we used to have to really kind of go to come to blows about specific lines and whatnot. At this point, we write stuff, and I don't know if I've written it. I don't know if he's written it. Like our voice is so insanely wow. unified at this point that it's it's literally absurd. We are such on a same on a on such the same wavelength. We've shown up at meetings wearing the exact same clothes. Yep. Which, uh, is in, which is incredibly embarrassing. Uh, so I was talking about why the beat sheets are so important, right? Uh, there is a process that happens with us still, even though we beat everything out. We don't beat out given lines. So what will happen is we'll sit there uh, and he'll take a scene and I'll take a scene in the A-plot and I will do something in the A-plot scene, like uh, my my uh, my handoff at the end of the scene, the thing that I like wrap up, that particular moment, uh, he might do the exact same moment at the end of his thing. Wow. Like, or, or something incredibly similar and we'll go, oh shit, we wrote the same beat. Like that's, it happens like more often than you would think. And it's really because genuinely we've been working together constantly for seven years and we were already pretty similar guys. We have pretty similar backgrounds. We have pretty similar interests. Um, you can't tell out there in podcast world, but I'm the handsome one. <laughs> it's true. It's the beard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand. I can't grow a beard. It's all patchy and gross. My and like ah, oh, it's terrible. But to the point about about our rows, there's a story I like to tell because it it was interesting to me. So um, my girlfriend moved in with us with me and and, and David, and uh, she was hanging out on the couch, uh, you know, doing her work on a Sunday when uh, Colin comes over and we're hanging out at the kitchen table. And I, I don't know I don't know what story it was or what point it was, but we hit a beat where we fundamentally disagreed, like the which happens like regularly. Like it's a thing where it's like I think the like I feel like the story is saying this, and he'll be like, "Is it?" Because I think the story is selling, saying this, and we identify and we're like, "I think we have a fundamental disagreement," and then we get into a fight and we get into an argument and we really get into it and dig it down and try to find the thing and get frustrated with each other and all this stuff, and uh, 
we also know each other so well, we get really catty and personal really, oh, yeah. really fast. It's very easy to like cut the other guy to the quick. And and you do it. You're trying to win a, a creative argument so that that's what becomes the book. Uh, and one of us wins or not because ultimately one of us is right and we figure it out eventually. Uh, and it's about 50-50, right? Like we, uh, I'm, I'm the dumb one sometimes, he's the dumb one sometimes. Though the best answers are always going to be synthesis. Yeah, which is ultimately what we do. And we figure out that synthesis, we crack it, and we're done. And and uh, one day after we do, we a whole day of this, where we had to break a story, and we finally break the whole story. And then, oh, okay, it's there. It's the new, th- it's the new thing we're doing. And he, uh, and Colin leaves for the day, like six or seven p.m. And uh, Alex looks at me and goes, "I don't know what just happened." And I was like, "What?" And she was like. It sounded like you guys were going to kill each other, and then all of a sudden you were like, yes, yes, yes. And then you had a story. And we're like, yeah. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know at this point. It's a, we set each other on autopilot, and by the time we're out of it, it's like, oh, I don't know. I think we broke a story. Yeah, I can only imagine how much, like, I, I imagine all of that argumentation happens in a single writer's head. It's just the, like, that must drive them absolutely batty because at least we get to put So it you're out not loud. talking to your voice in the head anymore. You're talking, you're, right. you're his voice in each other's head. He's literally my subconscious. And he's mine. I mean, you have, um, we are the subconscious of the story, and I think that's how it works. Like, the, uh, there's a, there's like a theory in, in uh, neuroscience that basically boils down to the way that our brains function in terms of like the actual mechanics of, of, of decision-making is basically that like it's a Congress. It's a massive Congress of const, constant ideas and your brain is shoving every possible idea into there. This is all subconscious. You pick from that Congress, there's a couple of voices that are the big ones. Those voices eventually argue it out and then from that voice comes your one output, right? You can argue about a thousand inputs and then you have one output because you only have your one body. We only have one output, even though we're two people. So ultimately, we are the Congress. We, we, we fight each other. We argue with each other. We break it down. And then by the end of it, we actually have a thing. We are the Congress coming from Boom Studios in 2016. <laughs> that, that really should be okay. like what we call ourselves. We, we've talked about taking on a pseudonym a lot. Being with, the Congress wouldn't be so bad. With Hacktivist, you had a third writer involved with, uh, yes. with, with Alyssa Milano. Yes. How did that come into the picture? And how did that affect your, your writing relationship? So, I would classify Alyssa on Hacktivist as the creator. And gotcha. that's, that is really a, a nice distinction that she was very cool, I think, about, um, uh, about supporting. Uh, the idea that we came in to write the book. She created the book. Um, and ultimately, that means that we had story conferences. That we had con- we, the, the conversations that we have where we beat out the story. We would have those conversations with her. And mostly that. And she'd be going, why are you guys yelling at each other? <laughs> yeah, she gets it. <laughs> she, 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 she met us and we, I think we got it pretty immediately and she's not afraid to argue back. That's the thing. Oh, nice. Uh, Alyssa's not afraid to get into it with us and figure out, really like represent her point of view and make sure that we understand that that's where she's coming from and if we can't talk her away from whatever it is that she's hung up on, then that's a hang up. You know what I mean? Um, so she's really great, I think, about being collaborative in that process and then understanding that our process is a very personal process for us so that then if when we walk away to write that book she is she doesn't see it till she sees the script mm. and then she sees that script and can say like after she's approved the outline she can see that script and say okay here's what's working for me here's what's not um though by and large now uh once we beat it out with her we don't get a ton of um there's not a lot of stuff that doesn't work for Alyssa. 
Well, and, and the process, the reason why us on that book at all was when we sat down with her, you know, she, we, all, we all basically instantly clicked. Um, we didn't really know what she wanted out of the book, and we didn't really know what we could bring to the book. But as soon as we sat down, she started to lay out the key things that she was that were intrinsically important to her about this. You know, it's a story about helping people abroad. It's a story um, opening up our kind of consciousness towards um, the world at large and how we can really help someone in a digital age. What that means, and it didn't come from kind of a mercenary perspective of, you know, like, oh, I really want to make this comic book. She was like, I really want to tell a personal, important story that's going to wake people up. And as soon as we saw that passion in her eyes and heard that in her voice, we were like, oh, well, this is a sincere human being who is attempting to genuinely tell a story that matters. And that is all we want to do in any medium ever. Uh, getting, getting backed up by Alyssa Milano on our very first comic book together. I'm understanding I'd done like one book before this um, with David Server, uh, Freak Show, uh, which was a, a small print book, but I was really proud of. Yeah. Um, and we, I'd done a bunch of kids books, you know, that was all we'd done in comics and Colin and I'd never written in comics before and we got to come into Boom and have at the time Archaea and then Boom once the merger happened and have Alyssa Milano um, every step of the way back us when we were like you know I don't think this is an action scene I think this is a I think this is a conversation between characters and we we need to make that visual and we need to make that awesome and 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 we need to make that you know heartfelt she was always there to say like that's why i'm telling the story that's what i want to do uh it's like having the greatest um like story bodyguard in the world let me ask you this guy you have a lot of projects going on uh, so many different you know you said you have five different things that you're five different projects you to get you guys together are working on at least. at least how do you stay focused on each project and how how are you keeping each one of those in check well so i told you about the spreadsheet Mm-hmm. And that really is, is that a Google Docs. Yeah, it's a Google Docs spreadsheet. Google Docs is by and large the best possible thing for any any writing team, any any partnership. It is the only way we can possibly function. Yeah, thank there, God for Google Docs. If there's no internet to make our work happen, literally we cannot get our work done. Yeah, it, it, it's problematic. Um, we we have to move to like pen and paper because it's the only way we'll otherwise be able to share that stuff. Um, we don't share Word docs because uh, we actually don't have compatible word processors. Like we need Google Docs. So it's a uh, and we have been using it for years. Wait, you're using Pages and you're using. No. Open office, son. He uses open office, which is the bane of my existence. Um, Mine so, too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't even understand word processor these days. I don't know? get it. Uh, Google Docs all the way. It's, so, yeah, I was gonna say I'm an Evernote user myself. Uh, I'm also but, using Evernote, which I really like. I keep a lot of my like, if I have a great idea where I'm like, oh, I need to remember this, it goes in Evernote. Yeah, because that's my problem with with Google Docs is mm-hmm. is like like I I like to just t- take random notes. Yes. Yeah. And so with Google Docs, it's like, oh, I've got to start an entire note, uh, entire new document just for one little note. Sure, but for collaboration, yeah, it is uh, a, a gorgeous thing. Yeah. Um, especially because like we're Final Draft users, and the okay. collaborator on Final Draft is like the buggiest feature ever. So we've never gotten it to work. Um, so our our way of collaborate uh, of collaborating really ultimately comes down to Google. Have Docs you tried days. Scrivener? Yeah, we've there, there are some other great programs we've starting to look into. I really like Faden. Okay. We've been looking at writer's duet as well. Oh, is, the, uh, is it good? Uh, it's, it's interesting. We're, it's, it's interesting. We're still kind of like working out the bugs. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Um, but so the thing that I think is uh, important about the spreadsheet uh, on Google Docs specifically mm-hmm. is uh, that we have a lot of categories in it, who we're, who we're doing the project for, what the project is, you know, what stage of the project we're in, who else is involved in the project. But then uh, the most important aspect is the deadline. Right. Yeah. What's the deadline for the given iteration of that project? Do outline deadline, script deadline. Like, what's the deadline? Uh, we keep those deadlines in check, 
any deadline that's active, we ha- we know when it's active. We know when exactly we have to do it, and we never blow a deadline, ever. Period. That's like one of our. It's something we. I mean, we just don't that's, do. That's an editor's dream. I mean, we know, and that's <laughs> one of the reasons that's a rule for us. It's also a producer's dream. It's also. I mean, you will never get hired anywhere ever again if you don't. So. Yeah, it turns out the one thing no one wants to work with, in a, the one trait no one wants to find in a writer is someone with their head up their own butt who thinks they're more important than the collaboration. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, we keep each other honest like that. We, neither of us can have enough of an ego because the other guy's smarter than us. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of the writing partnership as well is just the fact that it does break down those ego barriers. Um, 50% of the time, I'm not right, and I'm not going to get my way. And it's, you know, it's hard to be too you know, pushy about that knowing that, you know, and it kind of makes it gives us a, a writing team or a writer's room of two. I, I think it probably also does to some degree create an inflated ego outside of the bubble. Like once we've tested a pro- once we've tested an idea between the two of us, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to convince us we were wrong about that idea. Um, we we are like by the time we've figured something out, we've figured something out. And if you're going to call us on it, you better be really smart in our estimation in order to like make sure that that cracks. And that's what's amazing like about the editors at Boom is like everyone we've worked with and that was Rebecca Taylor on the first book that's Daphne Pleban and Whitney Cummings on this book like I mean, Whitney Leopard Jesus sorry uh, I do that all the time um, for some reason uh, but like really amazing people who ultimately uh, are able to come in and be like you know we think you did this wrong and they're actually right which rarely happens uh, with us uh, in a way that we like will that we'll accept <laughs> Sorry, Whitney, we love you. Yeah, no, I, I've done that to her face. I suck. Um, but yeah, the spreadsheet. Like deadlines, and then we track the deadlines. Look at the deadline. What's the most recent project? What do we need to get done? Cool. And normally before that Thursday or Sunday, we will have touched base. Um, because, you know, we're friends. We hang out anyway. We will touch base and be like, so this Sunday, this is just like all we're doing is hacktivist. And it's like, yep, we're just going to go really hard on hacktivist. Okay, cool. That's what ha- that's what Sunday is. Thursday, Thursday is going to be Joyride. We got to get Joyride settled. All right, Thursday's Joyride. So you kind of break it out by days of which way you work on which books, yes. which projects. Yeah, we try and devote, if we have a project, we try and devote it to the entire day um, so we can just really focus. And the tricky thing is, it's like, unlike, we, we can't give ourselves the slack. You might be like, oh no, I really, we have a thing on the horizon. That's so exciting. It's so sexy. We want to play with that. It's like, too bad. You have two deadlines that you got to hit between then and there, and you can't miss either of them. So it's like, get down, deal with those notes. Which can be an incentive for writers who are trying to look for incentive and figure out, like, how do I actually buckle down and do the work? Um, I mean, I think we drive from ambition. So for us, if we know we have something really exciting on the horizon that we know is down the line and we really want to come up with that pitch, oh, that's a dream project, that's a thing we really want to do, or we really need to get that script done – but we have two scripts ahead of time, you're going to want to get through those scripts so you can get to that thing you love. And that ambition can really actually drive you into the actual pr- productivity of it, as long as you eventually then end up caring as much about the thing you're doing. Because if you don't care, then why are you doing it? You know, Like, don't write something you don't care about. That's probably the other big piece of productivity. We don't write something that we aren't both excited about. What's the best advice somebody's ever given you guys? It's probably individual. Yeah. Um, I had a writing professor in in school um, who uh, was actually a Philip Seymour Hoffman's brother, um, Gordy Hoffman. Amazing dude. Um, one day forced us to write, over the course of a week, write 60 pages, condense that down into 10, and write another 30. And we all told him he was insane. And he laughed in our faces and said, you don't know anything. Writers write. Just write. If you can't write, get out of the room. Just do it. 
And it was just cold and hard, and it's the honest-to-God truth. Um, it's If I had a tattoo, which I don't, but if I did, that would be tattooed against my throat because it's all that matters. Uh, when we used to write at his... He used to have an old... Uh, the place he used to live, when we used to write, there was a big whiteboard uh, on it, and it just said, writer's write. Like, it was written there for years, years and years. I think you eventually couldn't get it off that whiteboard because it was just... It, it just sat there forever. It was just No, it was just a permanent ink. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, and it should be. Um, I think... This is really cheesy, right? Uh, but I didn't have the formal writing education that Colin did. Um, I was in school to direct movies. That was my education. Um, I, I'm a, I was a filmmaking major. Uh, we met at USC. He was in screenwriting. I was in film production. So... Uh, Almost all of my writing chops came from me. That, that was something where I was like, I want to write, and I just did it and did it and did it. I didn't read any books. I didn't know anything about anything. Um, I still haven't read any books. I have no interest in that stuff at all. Um, I We save zero cats. We don't have <laughs> McKee. I don't know what his McKee story is. Nope. Uh, the closest I've ever gotten to one of those seminars is watching Adaptation, which I think is pretty much all you need to know about screenwriting. Um, so wh- here, here was my... Uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was from Colin, like straight up. Uh, and it was the fact that when I, like when I came into this system and was trying to write stories uh, and everything that I did was about the characters I cared about and was about these people that I like really, like, I was like, Oh, like I'll just put them in these like really heart wrenching situations. Then they'll be really heart wrenched. And I, Colin was the first guy that looked at me and like, was like, yeah, but like why like why does where are the stakes where's the world where's the thing that is actually bearing down on these people what's the pressure on your characters that's actually going to drive your story forward what what stops that story about two people in a room from just being a story about two people crying on their shoulders which was i think a rut that i was very stuck in to some degree before i met colin and started working with him so what i learned from colin was was beyond stakes uh, or beyond structure, which I did learn from Colin. I, I, I learned how to structure a story for film from working with him. Um, I think I had a version of it, but it wasn't nearly as codified as the version that we use. Uh, but what I learned was like, you always got to be looking after those stakes. You got to look after where your characters are, um, not just where they're coming from, but what they're worried about. What's the thing in their life? We all have it that is crushing down on us. Is it our mortality? Is it our ambition? Is it the fact that there is an alien spaceship hovering above the planet about to explode it and all we can do is stop it, right? Like the scales and and those stakes can be very, very quote unquote small. They can be very, very big, but they need to be big to the characters. Uh, And Colin taught me that. Bro, high five. Bro, high five. How do you guys stay inspired? Consuming? Yeah, that's actually a really easy question. Um, That's never been an issue. Um, really? The world is full of amazing stories around every corner. Every person you meet is so rich and interesting. We're surrounded. Go to any comic book shop, any bookshop, turn on the TV in any corner and someone's playing with something interesting. If you consume media in this day and age and you aren't constantly inspired, like there's something not working right, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also consume media in your medium. Find the people who, uh, for me, again, we drive from ambition. Find the people who you want to be as good as and read their stuff and know that you have work to do. Um, the I am constantly inspired. Like, we're at a Comic-Con, so it's actually very easy for me to sort of say this, right? Like, I'm inspired by everyone around us at the Boom Booth. 
I'm, I'm inspired by the people who I get to work with in this industry who are getting to tell amazing stories that are their own stories. I, I'm, I'm inspired by James Tynan. I'm inspired by Noel Stevenson. Uh, I'm inspired by all of the people, David Peterson, whose books I get to sell all day and is, which just like blows my mind. He's amazing. Um, like I'm inspired by the people who I think are better than me. Uh, I, and, and I love to read their content and kind of realize like, man, I, you know, this is still a mountain I'm climbing. Uh, and that, that's a, a fun thing. What do you see being your biggest challenge on a daily basis mm. as, as a writer? Or a writing this guy. duo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jackson's judgmental eyes. And Colin's stupid haircut. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I have a fantastic haircut. He does. He has a really good haircut. There's a reason I can say that. Um, I got one. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the fact, the pressure that you get, because as we mentioned earlier, we do have day jobs. You know, we haven't been able to, because, you know, a, a fun, oh, yeah, a fun thing, a fun thing about being a writing partnership that all of you people out in podcast land should realize is that when you're writing partnership, your checks are half. So even though you might have some really fantastic work out there, you know, the, the ladder you're climbing is a little taller than it would be otherwise. It's literally twice as tall. So what you have to do is realize that all for all the good work you're doing and all the amazing podcasts you get to be on and all the amazing conventions you get to go to, you're still fighting to free yourself of the yoke of, you know, what you have to do to pay rent. And that crushing burden, the fact that if I don't write, I, I might not ever get to do this. This is what I love. Writing is when I'm my, that's when my wings soar, right? Like yeah. that's when I'm happiest. And if the idea that I might not get to do that is so crushing to me. Sometimes it's like, it's difficult for me to get out of bed. Um, and it's so hard because if you don't do, if you don't cre keep creating work that people will be passionate about and love, this could all disappear. Mm -hmm. And that fear is really, that that's tough to get through. Yeah, uh, the, the, the challenge of how you balance your life with your writing when your writing can't be your life uh, is, a hundred percent the hardest thing we go through and 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 definitely when we to get like super real right like when we work on thursdays which is something that we started doing about two years ago when our workload got so big that there simply was no way for us to write only on sundays which used to be our way um it became a real game of like which one of us was going to be broken that day from having had worked for from having worked all day and just not having the energy to work now you know what I mean? Like we, we, uh, if you're out there and you're holding it down a day job and you're trying to write, like we feel you. But, but once again, that's the partnership, right? When yeah. he needs a hug, I give this boy a hug. I never give him hugs. Feel free to plug anything. Oh, hell yeah. This is our favorite part. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so the cool thing to look out for right now is that we have a uh, hacktivist, uh, volume two, issue one. We get six issues this time. Uh, this is the first one. It's going to be coming out monthly starting on the 29th. Uh, check your local retailer. Get it on Comixology. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, please read the book. And probably read volume one before you do just because it, it'll make a lot more sense if you do. We also have on the shelves right now uh, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials prequel, which we actually are incredibly passionate about. For any fans of dystopian YA fiction, what we do here is tell the entire history of the fall of the world in backwards Chronology. Yeah, you're actually watching it backwards. It's kind of wild. Um, a bunch of short stories. And the things that we got to do, I mean, the Maze Runner universe is so rich with interesting corners, and we got to play in all of those corners. So any fans of the books, any fans of the movies, if you've ever had questions, and you'd be like, man, I really wonder how those mazes got built. Boom. Pick it up. Yeah. 
Uh, and the fact that they really actually let us kind of run wild on that and be like, you know, play with James Dashner's ideas and, and make something that was fresh and new and, and that we felt like both honored the original source material, which obviously there are like millions of people who really care about it. And we are among them. And also be people who like could come in and, and say our own thing about it and, and surprise and hopefully make a mark on that franchise. That was uh, that was an honor. It was really fun. Awesome. Uh, and then Joyride uh, coming out uh, after Hacktivist uh, is our first creator-owned series together, uh, just called Joyride. Uh, it's going to be awesome, and uh, we have a couple of other things that haven't been announced yet. You can find me on Twitter at CP Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jackson Lansing or uh, JacksonLansing.com or TheColinKelly.com. Hacktivist 2.0 is available now. Go over to your favorite comic book store or buy it on comicsology.com, whatever you choose. Also, make sure you go over to eatgeekplay.com, the website where we talk about comic books, food, and music just about every day of the week. Okay, friends, I have a huge favor to ask. Please go over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from and leave a review. It's pretty simple. It takes a few minutes and just say, hey, I really like this podcast. You should check it out too. I want to keep bringing this podcast to you, but we need a few more people to find out about it. If you don't feel like leaving a review, then you know what? Tell your friends on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Hey, we're on all of those platforms as well. You can find us. We're just at Eat Geek Play. All right. Um, that's it. Stay creative.